0: Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye opening and jaw dropping dialogue that has people talking. Hello everyone. Michelle Skeen is a co-author of Why Can't I Let You Go? She has a doctorate in clinical psychology, and she is the author of seven books, including Love Me, Don't Leave Me, all designed to enhance relationships by emphasizing the importance of identifying core values, limited thinking mindfulness, self-compassion, effective communication, and conflict resolution skills. Dr. Skeen completed her postdoctoral work at the University of California, San Francisco. She co-developed a protocol for the treatment of interpersonal problems that resulted in two books, Acceptance and Commitment. Therapy for Interpersonal Problems and the Interpersonal Problems Workbook. Her work has appeared in dozens of publications, and she hosted a weekly radio show called Relationships 2.0 with Dr. Michelle Skeen that aired nationally. Please welcome. Hello, Michelle. How are you? Hi, Karen. Thanks for having me. So excited to have you. Um, It sounds like you have a whole lot of, of important info uh, regarding interpersonal relationships. So tell me, first of all, what got you into this?
1: Throughout my practice, one thing that I've really noticed is how much depression and loneliness um, result from being in unhappy, unfulfilling relationships. And so my efforts have really been to provide people with tools that will allow them to find a partner who they can develop a healthy relationship, including and, fi- and connecting with people through friendships and other types of relationships that can
0: enhance their lives. Okay, really interesting, because it's funny that you say that the feeling of isolation and aloneness or loneliness for people in a relationship right? As opposed to those not even in it. So that's interesting. Um, and so you work with people individually or, or couples, how do, how do you do that?
1: I work with individuals and really by doing that, I'm often working with the couple. Um, mm-hmm. and I find for me, it can be more effective because you're working on with an individual on making changes that will make a change in the relationship. Um, Right. And understanding yourself better, which is why I've used the schema framework. I call it core beliefs. But once you can do a deep dive and an education on yourself, you can better understand why you're behaving in certain ways, why you're reacting to certain behaviors or triggers and understanding that and the origin of that goes a long way in helping you to change and behave okay. in more helpful ways.
0: Right. And finding a healthier relationship. And and that's interesting. I was, I um, was married a long time ago, divorced and was single dating for a long time, probably a good 13 or 14 years. Um, And I'm married now to my husband, but during that time, I mean, I noticed for sure with me, it took me a while to notice, but there is a pattern. You constantly are repeating your same pattern. And until you kind of get behind that to the bottom of that, you kind of tend to continue because it seems familiar and we all love familiarity, right? Yep. So I thought that was super interesting. So now you break it down into, uh, in this in this new book, um, Why Can't I Let You Go?, which I did read. Tell us a little bit. You break it down into different kind of types Right. Tell so, bit about that.
1: so what we've done in this book is that we've looked more deeply at attachment and your your type of attachment. So secure, anxious, and avoidant. And we do note that that I think a lot of times the avoidant attachment is often viewed as being a toxic kind of attachment, but it's really not. It's more complex than that, which is what we address in this book, because then we also look at temperament and we have Mm -hmm. assessments for all of these. And then we look at core beliefs. So those core beliefs include abandonment, emotional deprivation, mistrust and abuse, dependence, defectiveness, um, failure, and when you understand what's at work and by going through these assessments, then you get, you can see the origin of them, right? The, the questions that you answer, then you understand, Oh, well, this was the dynamic in my family and what we see. And you alluded to this when you were talking about when you were dating is that we may find someone, Oh, this is different. This, this, this guy's different. This person's different. You know, he's got a corporate job. He, you know, lives in the suburbs. He's not like the other guys I've been picking, but his behavior and what it's triggering in you is exactly the same, even though, oh, this guy has dark hair that I've always been drawn to blondes or whatever it is. Right. We always think we're making a different choice, but what we often experience is, Oh my gosh, like that was my dad, or that was my yes. mom, you know. Right? And yes. it's absolutely, a, it's a person, it's a person from your past who's disguised differently, you know, who looks different and may even present in a very different way, but you're having the same kind of experience. And as you already said, we love what we know. And so we're Mm -hmm. always going to be drawn to that, even though it's toxic because we know what to expect. So it's like, oh, I know this person. I'm used to getting criticized when I do the slightest thing incorrectly, you know, or I'm used to being ignored or any of that stuff. Like it doesn't feel good, but I know what to do about it. But often what we're doing is we're engaging in behavior That is making it worse. That's just perpetuating the cycle. And so once you Mm -hmm. can recognize, um, and the temperament piece is something that I went into more deeply in this book than I did in Love Me, Don't Leave Me. Like I touched on it in Love Me, Don't Leave Me. But I found that with my clients and through my work with my clients, it really made a huge difference in how people react when they're triggered right are you
0: right, do you tend to right. be more
1: do you retreat or do you tend to be more aggressive um are you and we actually used this assessment that's pretty old but i had never seen anything like it and i loved it so much because it goes through like how you identify in terms of your activity level your distractibility Your response to things, your attention span, your disposition. It was just very, um, I think, very useful because I think that we're more complex and nuanced than we want to think we are. But we kind of love that when we figure all that out.
0: Right. So it's not just, so yeah, so I do love that in your book, you've got all these kind of questionnaires and things to assess yourself, which is great, because it is more than just a read, it's actually kind of a workbook. Um, But so it is more than just what that, what that trauma was in your past, that you're kind of reliving by picking the same type of person, though they may not look like it, they really are. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not just that, but also our individual temperament and sort of the combination of the two. Is that right?
1: Yeah. And then, and the combination of the three, because then we have the attachment too. Yes. And so it's kind of like this, you know, this triad, which, you know, which I think is, is, allows us to understand ourselves more in our reactions to things and why we end up getting stuck. And that's really the goal of this book is really to unstick people from mm-hmm. their patterns and to understand it and get them to a healthier place. And, there, yeah. and there's a lot of discomfort in that. There's nothing easy about this. I'm sure you have your own right. experience with that, right?
0: Yes. I mean, for me, I know I, I did a lot of therapy during that those years to figure out. Uh, my ex had cheated on me and I was so shocked and it felt like this big betrayal, the rug pulled out from under me. And then you just kind of try to pick up the pieces and then you start dating and then you don't even realize what that pattern is. So after a few years, several, many years of therapy. Um, I was able to figure it out and then find someone that really is completely different. Um, and that's why this marriage is just easy. It's just easy. I mean, this entire dating from day one was easy with this person because of my husband, because it is a different, and I don't know which part I solved, you know, necessarily. I mean, I definitely know that I was chasing something that was very familiar, was like my dad, very, um, emotionally unavailable, um, loving man for sure. But, but emotionally unavailable, very kind of, um, you know, just, I hate saying it, but narcissistic and just into his, his world. And we all kind of lived in it. And, And then it was really figuring that out and realizing, gosh, everybody I'm picking is really the same, though they sure look like a whole different package, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So when, and and you're right, when you do that, it's scary at first and you misread everything, I will say. Like, you know, I had realized that I was always picking not only men that were kind of emotionally unavailable, but where I was the one in control of, of the relationship. I was definitely had... I was being divorced and being the only one kind of raising my kids at the time I was taking on that masculine energy and Mm -hmm. kind of when you do that, um, you don't leave as much room for theirs. And so it ends up that the relationship ends up being somewhat imbalanced. Um, And you end up looking at them as like the adolescent. And it just, it felt like that. It felt like I was constantly the adult in the room. And when I let that go and changed that, I was kind of like, okay, my husband now is probably the first man I ever dated, right? Meaning they were all just not strong men. But then I freaked out. But then I freaked out because the one, the first argument we ever had, I was like, holy crap, is he going to like punch me? Like, what does a strong real man do when they get mad? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, it had to be I was in unfamiliar territory. And it until you kind of come to grips with that, it freaked me out completely. Yeah, yeah and... I have a funny story about that. So yeah,
1: no, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it, I, it's a long story. It is. Uh, it is in my book coming out soon. Oh, but it is. Yeah, it was one of those that I just completely misread. Yeah, all of it one evening ditched him left him (laughs) stranded. So embarrassing. But um, and I I didn't know how to deal with that.
1: Well, you're bringing up an important point. You know, when when we're connecting with someone who's very different, we don't know what everything means. And there's the real discomfort there. And I think the other Mm -hmm. thing that we really highlight in the book is that you know, there's that difference between intensity and intimacy. And that when you're in a trauma bond or a toxic relationship, there's a lot of really intense energy. You know, there's maybe some arguing and then there's some passionate making up and there's the You know, and we mistake that for, oh my God, I have butterflies. I mean, uh, he's so great and it feels like butterflies, but really it's our body letting us know like red flag, red flag. And so then when we're with someone who's safe and that sounds super boring and it can feel boring Mm -hmm. because we're not getting those same kind of bodily sensations. And we're not having those fear reactions that we're mistaking for those butterflies of, Oh, I can't stop thinking about him. Well, you can't stop thinking about him because he's not texting you back or he's not calling when he says he's going to call or he's canceling at the last minute. Like there's so much unpredictability. And then when you get the reward of them finally showing up or, doing something nice for you. It's like, Oh, it feels so good. And then that cycle starts all over again. And then, you know, you're waiting for that little breadcrumb you know that
0: that's so that, true
1: yep that intermittent reinforcement which is the most addictive con- you know which is what they do in casinos and slot machines and all of that kind yeah. of stuff right you keep <laughs> you hooked yeah you keep putting the coins in they keep taking them until finally you get like a few coins out and it's like ah oh, that's great okay i'll go back for more and that's and then even though you realize at some point this isn't making me feel good it's so hard to let go because usually the guys who are doing this and I'm seeing this more and more in my practice with my female clients is that it's, I, I feel like there must be something on the dark web where they're telling guys how to play these games. It's just happening so much.
0: That there's some,
1: there's some, something going on where they just, these guys come in hot. This is part of a lot of what I'm seeing. They come in hot and, you know, want to get the girl. And then as soon as they get her, they're not interested anymore.
0: And Mm -hmm. Uh, you're right. Yeah. I do see that a lot with people. Mm hmm. So, yeah. And it is like, they want that chase, but then once they've acquired that, they don't really, yeah, they don't really want to be there or take the time. They kind of just, yeah, they're distracted and moving on in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, I think a lot of it too, is that you have to, you know, and what I talk to my clients a lot about is, and, you know, we address this in the book, but you need to give things time you know, that anyone can do a sprint. And that's what you see, right? But we're, we're looking for marathons, you know, we're looking Mm -hmm. for some long distance stuff. And so the guy who isn't texting five times a day is, he's going to be able to last longer than the guy, you know, I would say this is unsustainable. This is There's no way that you're going to be able to keep up this kind of communication. It's going to fail at some point. You have lives. Like, this is crazy. You're not going to be able to have two-hour phone calls every night. That's crazy, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're right. And I think what you said before was interesting about, um, so the butterfly, it's interesting because when I think back to my many relationships during the time that I was pretty much single off and on with different, uh, partners, but it was a lot of butterflies and you do, you do mistake that you mistake that for being that you're so excited and into this person when really it should have been like red flag after red flag and that boring and that you thought that, you know, safe can be boring. And I think maybe the right combo is more, I mean, tell me what you think. Maybe the right combo is more safe if you want to call it boring or not, but, um, for me, it's nice to have that safe, protected space where, but where the chemistry is where that's what brings the passion, not the butterflies in your right. stomach. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a very safe, but the chemistry needs to be off the charts to keep the passion. So I don't know. That's what I discovered. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: And I think, did you also find that it was about the emotional connection? Right. So that you had someone who you were able to share your feelings with and there was Mm -hmm. reciprocity there so that you were, you know, vulnerability at the right time and in the right doses is very sexy. And having that, that communication and having a level of openness that doesn't leave you always wondering and trying to guess.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Because uh, in every other relationship until I met my husband, it was always like, where are we at? What do we stand? Is he going to leave me tomorrow? It was always that feeling of like, oh my gosh, is this fight going to lead to us breaking up? And and that pit in your stomach. I mean, Mm -hmm. a friend of mine, uh, we would just always say like, you just, you've that heartache that you can literally feel, you know. Um, And I don't, I've never had that with my husband. Yeah, I've never had that. I've always been like, if we argue, of course, we're going to get past this, the communications there. I've never had that panicky feeling, which I really thought was just kind of went hand in hand with dating somebody.
1: Yeah, I think that everyone, to an extent, has fear of abandonment, which is, you know, mm-hmm. what what I figured out after I wrote <laughs> the book, Love Me, Don't Leave Me, is that we're really born with that. If we get abandoned as babies, we die. Like, it really is life and death at that point. But then I think wow. for a lot of people as they go through their developmental years, that they might have experiences that reinforce that in other ways. And so as they go into the world and into adulthood, that's, they still get that very panicky feeling like this is critical. I, if I get left. And Mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, what I see is they cling to, a lot of people or men who show promise of being there because they show that early on and then they can't, the guys can't sustain it because you know, Mm -hmm. they're coming in hot trying to get the girl and whatever their ego needs. Right. And right. Right. And so what I'm often, and you saying about when you would get into an argument with a partner that you always had this panic, like, are they going to leave me, made me think about one of the things that I really have to work on with clients is setting boundaries because setting a boundary to someone who has fear of abandonment is basically really rejecting and they don't want to do to someone else what would feel rejecting to them. Does that make sense
0: to you? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Yeah, I could see that.
1: And the boundaries are kind of the most important thing. So it could be something like um, even saying early on, like, I'm not a big texter, even if you are, because you don't want to get into these texting relationships, which is something that right. a lot of, you know, these younger people do. They're honestly even older people. It, it's all over the place now
0: phone calls. It has gotten
1: there. Yeah. Phone calls don't happen as much. It's a ton of texting and it's texting about stuff that you should be talking about over dinner. Like throw a text if it's something about logistics. But if you're talking about, oh, tell me about you know, like your relationship with your brother, let's not text about that.
0: Like, that's a- <laughs> I agree. Yeah, no, you're right. Because immediately that level of intimacy, even if you're saying the same words that you would in person, you've just like killed half of the intimacy of it by sending it through a text. It just it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. As seeing each other right there talking, mm-hmm. seeing the reactions. Yeah. Yeah. So now, what do you, so give me an example for, so I'm thinking, I'm, I'm imagining myself as one of our listeners out there. And give me an example. They're probably going, huh, okay. I- I'm imagining the ones that either are unhappy or the ones that have not found their partner or feel like a lot of them I, I've heard from them that say, you know, I just haven't met the right one yet. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of are on that pattern of just, they don't realize the pattern that they are constantly on, you know, this, yeah. this you know, constant treadmill up, here we go with one person. And then we fall into the same pattern and then we're alone. And then the same thing, how would they go about figuring, what's the first thing that they assess?
1: Well, I think the, the first thing is, um, I mean, in no I guess in no particular order in the book, but the first thing that we look at is attachment. And there's a lot of reading on attachment, as you know. And I think most people have a sense about what their attachment style is. Um, but that's just important to just have. So, that. what are the
0: different types? So, yeah, just to get. Yeah, just broad, and,
1: broadly mm-hmm. the three types secure, yeah. anxious and avoidant
0: and avoidance. Right. Okay. So this, so give me, so secure, meaning that they are secure or they need, they're, they are,
1: out. they can rely on other people and other people can rely on them kind of in a nutshell. Like you're, you're, okay. you're comfortable right. with that. You're comfortable relying on people. You're comfortable having them rely on you. Um, anxious is you know, you need a lot of reassurance and the slightest kind of pulling away, um, sends, you know, panic. And I think that relates very, connects very much with like the abandonment core belief too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, um, and I mean, that can also be connected with the dependence, um, core belief as well, that you feel like you were, raised in such a way that you believe that you were incapable of kind of doing anything on your own. You always needed help. And so being alone, um, to people who have an anxious attachment and a dependence core belief is going to be a very scary experience. And so, (laughs) yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, they might be a lot more prone to just be with anyone, even if it's, and they might end up with someone who is very dominating, right? If they feel like they need someone because they're incapable of taking care of themselves, you know, they can often end up in a really dominating relationship. And then there's the avoidant attachment, which I think, you know, a lot of women are seen with guys. Which is that there, as soon as there's discussion that involves expressing <laughs> emotions yes. or anything, like where are we? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That yeah. They tend to pull away. Um, they often might pull away um, if there's any conflict or they feel like they're getting criticized. And I don't want to just put this on guys, but, you know, as you said, the majority of your listeners are women. The majority of my clients Mm -hmm. are women. And I think that I love working with women because they can allow themselves to be vulnerable and they look for help and they look for advice and they try hard. And um, I, I think that, you know, the male ego is just too wrapped up in, you know, them being right or societal norms, whatever it is. I mean, I love men, yeah, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not trashing them, but I think that it's more difficult for women to find a good man than for a man to find a good woman. And all of the oh, most,
0: that's so true.
1: all of yeah, the most recent yeah. studies are indicating that. Did you read that article about why so many women are single now and that it really is no. this? glut I think it might have been New York Times article but there really is um there's just a lot going on with guys and they're just not
0: I know. Not, not showing yeah. up what, what did it say is like some of the reasons yeah I mean I think that there are, you know we have
1: this shift where there are a lot of really great empowered women who are yeah. in careers who have a lot going for them and I think that I hate to think about relationships in terms of power, but I do think there's been a big power Mm -hmm. shift. And I think that, you know, in our society, there's been kind of a, um, you know, males have been kind of bashed in a way. And I agree with you.
0: Yeah. I think we're seeing just a huge change. Um, it, you know, I talk about this a lot with our following in on this podcast, just about how we each have masculine and feminine energies, but it's in every person, whether you're male or female. But I do think society has kind of said, you know, they've just really bashed the, you know, they they call them, you know, the white entitled male and, yeah. and that they're oppressive or um I think it's it's made I find it unfortunate, but it's made this unfortunate change where men are, they're just because of that and, and not wanting to take that on then because they want to be considered, you know, politically correct or whatever, or morally in a you know, certain light, but they are taking on the more feminine energy. And what I recently read too, is that like with the millennial group, I don't know, it's so much, um, the, the younger than that, but that the millennial groups, have the highest percentage of entrepreneurs are women. So that whole group, the women are the strong ones. And I don't know whether we coddled our men before as moms, I'm not sure what, you know, but I know society is definitely having an impact with it. And they're pushing for the, you know, the future is female and all of that. But in that, there is a danger because in having done that, now we've got a whole generation of, you know, a larger percentage is not that strong man that can and wants to attach to you that, yeah. you know, they are kind of avoidant. Yeah, yeah, it's and it's going to have its effect. I mean, for sure, we're seeing it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it's intimidating, um because they don't know, how, this is all new. So how do you navigate these mm-hmm. waters? And I have, you know, a number of female clients who are in their 30s, they're, very successful, educated. I mean, they have it all going on, except that they can't find that partner
0: exactly. And a
1: lot yes. of times, the guys, when after they behave badly, w- might confess that they they're intimidated. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're yeah, more successful whether- in your career that I am than I am, and I have to admit that makes me really jealous and insecure um yeah which is you know great that they shared but it doesn't change the fact that they're they're being abusive or demeaning because they're not feeling great about themselves and that doesn't mean that women should accept that because you know that's where we want our guys to
0: get help right exactly yeah and i do you know it's interesting because i i definitely Encountered that kind of during my dating time too. It was hard to find a guy that just isn't intimidated. Is just, you know, very comfortable with themselves. But yeah, it, it takes a lot of their own kind of confidence to to be comfortable with themselves. And I I do I look at it though that you know we can be that successful and that driven and that you know we can be achieving our goals and everything we want. But sometimes I think that when we get home is when we probably need to lead with our feminine energy. And I don't, I think think women are struggling with that too. I think we're struggling because at work, you know, I I definitely think I'm much more a a feminine energy leading boss Mm -hmm. to my employees because I like to nurture, I like to mentor people, et cetera. But to run a business, you have to lead with some masculine energy. You have to, it's about competition and it's about, you know, completing things and being driven, et cetera. But I think we, I think we struggle with turning that switch off to the feminine energy when we get home. I think that's going to be the challenge for women. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: And to be, and then I think, you know, that that can be the space where you're vulnerable, but in order for that to happen, Mm -hmm. you have to also have the right partner so you absolutely feel and that's exactly like you can yes. be vulnerable so that's you know what what i see so often and what why can't i let you go is about you know how's your picker right so <laughs> yes you know like completely. we can yep, yep. have a really bad picker um mm-hmm. and especially if everything that's operating is out of our awareness. So that's why this deep dive on ourselves is so important.
0: Absolutely. Because you're right. That's the only way to kind of figure out if you're picking wrong and what your pattern is and yeah, and how to pivot from that. Yeah.
1: And recognize it early cuz you're still going to pick some wrong people. People present differently than they are and then yes. and right. then it comes right. out. But part of it is and I see this a lot there's still this deep attachment and it's like we're going through the list of things that he's done to you. Well, he lied to you about this and how about when he you know, like trying to do a little bit of a three strikes, you're out thing, you know, well, he canceled on you this time and he lied to you about this and he sent you that photo of him with, uh, in the background, there was a huge box of condoms, which, you know, <laughs> made you, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That kind of uh, stuff, yeah. real story. Yeah. And you have enough evidence now, like you don't need, he's not getting back to you. He's not initiating getting mm-hmm. together. Let go, but so often they can't, you know, there's something and, and that has a lot to do with their core beliefs too. Like if they're, let's say they have a defectiveness core belief, well, then they want to prove that they're good enough for this person to engage with them, that you should want to be with me, you know, like they're overcompensating in ways that are playing out that might have been a dynamic that was going on with their mom. And as you know, from the book, I have lots of stories in the book that really Mm -hmm. um, enliven what we're trying to communicate here so that you can really feel a sense of how the complexity of how the, the temperament, the attachment, and the core beliefs all work together
0: Right. And how it plays out in a relationship. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I think so many, so many women really need to kind of, I think they need to read that and really understand right where they fit into that. And, and yeah, take a deep dive. You're right. That's very interesting because I think it can make a huge difference. Um, Have you seen that happen where they do that? They understand after their assessments and are they able to make that shift? How have you seen that? Or how long does that take for some? Look, it's, you know, this is
1: not, uh, it's not a sprint. (laughs) It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not a short path. It's definitely, um, it takes time. But one of the biggest assists that is highlighted in the book is also doing a deep dive on your values, which I think we lose sense of when we're so desperate that sense of desperation, you know, it's like, you'll twist yourself into a pretzel, forget that one of my values is integrity or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. We, Mm -hmm. we, um, go through, um, the, um, we'll, we'll do anything to get that person. But in the value section, what we've done is listed a number of values and definitions that relate to relationships so that you can really look at that. And that's what, then you can kind of create your playbook so that you can reference that as you're getting into a relationship. Am I staying in line with my values or am I going back to these unhelpful coping behaviors that keep me stuck in these unhealthy relationships? And, right. Right. And, and I think that, it's a tough sell. And I will say that the values piece with my clients is one of the toughest pieces because there's also not always the immediate payoff. You know, this is like, it's like working out or anything that's getting you healthier. It's not like, oh, I had one salad today. Now I'm, you know, super healthy. I'm the fitness level I want to be at, you know, you have to keep doing it. Until those become your deeply entrenched behaviors and not those reactive coping behaviors that are connected Mm -hmm. to your core beliefs and your fears and all of that.
0: You know, I, yeah, I've read too that um, people have like, couples have like the same fight in different ways over and over again in the relationship. How how do you see that playing out here? Does that have to do with our attachment type, all of those things that we just talked about? Because can women start to see, gosh, every, I mean, I look back, I don't have those arguments now, but I used to always have like, when I look back to someone I was with when I was dating for like six years, If I look back at each argument, it's really the same thing each time. It's just in a, it's, you know, it has on a different, it's in a different different, package, but it's the same. Yeah. Like different, different circumstances. But it's always like, you know, he was always kind of um, unable, he was very avoidant and, and it plays out in a hundred different ways. Whether, where is our relationship now, whether, you know, I need to go deal with my kids for this and not understanding just because. It's always the same kind of, um, issue. Yeah. Do you see that happen? So
1: were you able to, and I think that's when we can do, we do a little bit of an excavation on what is the need that's not getting met? Hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. there mm-hmm. was a need that with that partner of yours for six years that wasn't getting met. Yes. And right. So part of it is being able, we find it so difficult, especially as women were generally, these are all generalizations, but we're generally super accommodating. There's a reason we're the moms, you know, that that we're designed to be moms. I mean, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we're very accommodating. And I think, you know, we don't want to rock the boat and we have a hard time asking for what we need. And, if you can understand yourself better, then you're very aware of the need that's not getting met and you can communicate that in a clear way. Um, But I think when you don't necessarily know what the need is, but you're operating from this, Oh, I have this bad feeling. Like Mm -hmm. I'm upset. And then, you know, and you're, not communicating clearly because either you're not in touch with it or you're afraid it's going to push the person away, then you are going to keep having the same disagreement and the same frustration and the same disappointment.
0: Mm -hmm. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And I think during that time, which is what led me to end that relationship was finally realizing that you're right. I think for me, it was never making me a priority. Just, That was the issue, constant, never felt like decisions were based with me in mind, right? Or my life circumstances played a role in every decision he made. They never did, never, ever did. And um, I think you're right. Once you kind of figure that out, you kind of go, God, this is never going to change. This is who this person is. And I think we make the mistake of being in love with who they could be, not who they truly are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's yeah. be real. They haven't changed yet. If they do, that's a whole different story. But you imagine how great they could be. But it's not ours to change them. If they're not that person, that's not who you're in love with. Right.
1: Yeah. What is that expression? Women marry, um, hoping the guy will change and men marry, hoping she'll never change.
0: That's so true. Yes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's true. But I think that, interesting stuff. I think
1: that to give us credit as women is that, um, you know, we, we do like to, we like to nurture, we like to support, mm-hmm. we like to be the, the, the good partner who's there for them. And, and we see potential that maybe they don't see. So I don't think it's, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's totally bad. And I think that men are less emotionally equipped. So it makes sense that we're going to go, okay, well, we'll give you a little bit of credit. Like we can work on some communication. Yeah, that's our
0: feminine energy does yeah. that. We want to collaborate. We want to nurture support. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think we're willing to do the work for the most part. Like yes. we know that, and that's okay to work on the relationship. So I think we fall into that, which isn't a bad thing, but it, if it just stays there forever, <laughs> then, you know, yeah. without, yeah, any kind of movement in the relationship, then it gets to be trouble. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I just said to one of my clients, you need to think about how much more emotional energy you want to put into this guy when it's very clear that he is not going to show up in the ways that are even healthy, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but certainly not what she needs. And that brings me to another point, which is that I think it's really important. And like through these assessments in the book that, You become aware of the needs that are reasonable and the needs that are unreasonable because they're packed with so much of your, whether it's big trauma or many trauma, we all have it from our family of origin, our developmental years that it's because of that. So emotional deprivation would be an example of that, where we didn't get the love that we needed when we mm-hmm. were growing up. And so with every relationship, we need so much, you know, like right. a reference to, for any of your listeners who watch The Real Housewives, but Vicky.
0: Oh, yeah. Gumb- Vicky, <laughs> okay, yes, Yeah, Vicky Gumbleson Let's Gumbelson. talk about this. <laughs> Vicky Gumbelson yeah.
1: on, you know, OC, yes. like would always say my love tank is empty. Well, her love tank was empty and difficult for anyone to fill because that yes. was a family of origin thing. That was so part of her developmental years that she didn't get that. And you can't expect, it's unreasonable to expect that you're going to meet someone who's going to make up for all of that.
0: Mm-hmm so
1: it's like okay i didn't get that that sucks and that's why i feel like i need so much now but what is this person doing that is you know that is trying to meet my needs my reasonable Mm -hmm, needs mm -hmm. so sometimes you have to dial it down and you have to sit with that discomfort but you need to you know part of part of getting to that place is another piece in the book, which is mindfulness. You need to be present in the moment because, you know, so often we get triggered and we're not in the moment. We're back in the past where we, we got abandoned or we didn't get the love we needed, or we were criticized or we were told that we were a failure. So you need to really stay in the moment and say, okay, you know what? I actually have a good guy. Showing me love in so many ways, and it's not as his responsibility to make up for my past deprivation. And I think that's why you
0: know, Vicky. I mean, we see this.
1: I think the Housewives are yeah. great examples of great case studies for so much of this, right?
0: <laughs> you know, that's so funny because my husband always says, "Why do you like those shows?" And yeah. I do, but because I do, I like figuring out. Plus, I've looked at it a lot for like. Who is leading with their feminine energy, allowing for the man's masculine energy to be in the relationship? Yeah. Who's not? Who yeah. dominates it so much that there's no room for his... Yeah, I love... They are great case studies. You're totally yeah. right. Do you watch... But it's uh, true, though. Yeah. Do you watch Married at First Sight? I have not. Is that a good one to watch that for? It's so good. It's so good. Oh, good. I have to... Oh, good. A new show. Okay, listeners. You're going to be watching that with me. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Married at First Sight. Yeah, I think it's so interesting now because having, you know, having had the history of being married before having dated a lot, having really had a lot of therapy to figure it out. I do love kind of looking at it now and going, I can see what the problem is. Why can't they? I (laughs) know. I know. Yeah, It's true. And, or
1: like love is blind is another really interesting show to watch for that as well. But yeah, I love any couples like dating matchmaking shows, because yeah. you can really see how people's fears, which, you know, are really another way of explaining core beliefs, right? Um Really prevent them from, you can just see the misses so easily, right? Yes. You know, right? like, yeah. yeah, you're not in the present, you're letting this get in the way you're misreading this situation. Um You're, yeah, it's it's very interesting, but and I think yeah. it's a way for us to better understand ourselves too. Like you see someone you're like, "Oh, I can identify with her." Oh, well, look at wow, those are really like defensive behaviors because right. You right. know, there's fear there and you know, as we know in these intimate relationships, it can feel life and death. It's it's just
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's so packed with so much.
0: No, that's true. And I get, yeah. And that's interesting because I think once you realize, maybe you realize it at least. So for example, probably with with my husband and I, with Jeff and I, I if, if he criticizes something I do, that's, I think that's a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. And it was me, re- well, and him kind of figuring it out alongside with me why I do that. And I realized it's because of my dad. I mean, it was not um, unconditional love. It was you do well, you are really loved. And if you don't do well, you're just like pushed aside, ignored kind of thing. So When he says anything, sometimes I sense, and now I have to be, you know, I'm aware of it and I go, okay, stop. This is not my dad criticizing me. This is him just telling me, hey, I don't like when you do this. Could you? Okay. But you do have to have that awareness to begin to change it. And sometimes I'll be like, no, that's not what it is. And then it's not because (laughs) really it isn't. But it's more about the he's a Marine and everything has to be just so, so you have to kind of evaluate the two, but it right. does help a lot when you finally go, am I just reliving something old here? Something yeah. not even in this relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this has been such a pleasure now. Oh. So for our listeners who are going, God, I do have patterns obviously, and maybe they're, they'll stop thinking that they just haven't met the right one. They'll start thinking that they need to, do that deep dive. So which is the book that they should, so would it be, why can't I let you go then? Is that the one they should jump right into? Yeah. Why can't
1: I let you go? I think that it has the, it has the most um, comprehensive assessment and I, all the tools to break longstanding patterns and get to a place where you can get better at picking a potential partner Mm -hmm. and, more quickly exit when you realize that they're not the right person yes. for you and engage in uh, healthy yeah. ways when you realize that they do have the potential for a relationship.
0: I like that more quickly exit. That's probably our biggest issue.
1: Yeah. yeah. Is just giving um, it giving yeah. it way too many chances, just- right?
0: Right. Deciding when enough is enough. It's really hard though. I mean, even I, when my husband cheated, I still felt like I needed to know for sure. I mean, how much more sure do you, know, do you need to be because you, yeah. But for me, it was like, you cheat, I'm done. I can't, I can't, I tried. And I realized for myself that that, I don't have that kind of forgiveness. I, think yeah. I just, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, our, I, I would but. like to say that differently for you as you expected more for mm-hmm. yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And it was, and even, and we did try, we went to some therapy and tried, but then I just realized nothing's changing. It's just being yeah. hidden differently. It's not. Yeah. So and yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, any any woman out there trying to? Find, I think that awareness is key to them making some progress in the love life. So now, yeah, do you work individually with people if they would like to? How I do. How yeah, can they reach you? Um, my website is michelle skeen m i c h
1: e l l e s k e e n dot com, and they can just contact me through there. And yes, I do um, coaching, and um, I provide a free consultation to see if we're a good fit and all that kind of stuff. And I love working with women, because they're the majority of my clients who come to me hoping to, you know, better themselves and make changes and
0: Women are so it great about that. Or?
1: It's over Zoom. Yeah, everyone's everywhere. Oh, perfect.
0: So they can be anywhere. That's so good. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I I do love working with women too. And that's part of the reason I do this because being an architect, I've most of my adult life has been dealing with men. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very different. Oh, and that's
1: been a this, very male dominated industry,
0: hasn't it? It still is. Still, like currently, which shocks me, only seventeen percent are women. Really? Yeah, and yet in school, fifty percent of us were in this program. But I think it's the real world and that intimidation that happens, especially from such a male-dominated industry—the contractors, right. the engineers. Yeah. The, uh, they just don't stay with it. They they go to interior design most of them, okay. and they don't stay in architecture. But, um, yeah. So for me, I found it to be such a joy when I started kind of this other. Side of my work, and yeah. yeah, women are just pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, but we have a lot of depth in terms of just all of the feelings, the thought processes. It's I think we allow ourselves a vulnerability. Men don't necessarily, or society doesn't allow men to have. So,
1: but I do want to yeah, say absolutely. because I don't want to uh, get um, labeled as uh, you know anti male. I have a couple of male clients who work really hard and are really amazing at trying to understand themselves and how they can be better with their partners and better with women and just better men. They're out there. That's good. I wish that there wasn't such a stigma for men about getting help. You know, I wish that, Mm -hmm. and maybe it'll get normalized over time, but I think so often men to cope retreat and women to cope yes. tend to reach out. And yes, and yeah. I think that, um, you know, that's a big difference. And hopefully that'll change for men because
0: we love men. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think you're right. Um, so let me ask you one other thing. So, the book you said, can they get it? Where can they find the book? Should they want they to could, get the book?
1: Yeah, the book is, um, and actually it's shipping early, which is great, but they can find it on Amazon or I also okay. love bookshop.org because um, that supports independent booksellers, but whatever works for people. And that book is, the pub date is January 2nd, but it's already shipping from Amazon. So,
0: um oh nice. Yeah. Okay, great. All right. So everybody will be out there looking for it. Such a pleasure to have you, Michelle. Oh, thank so you so much. 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 It's been so insightful. I could so, I did chat
1: with you for
0: a couple of hours. This is great. I feel the same way. I'm like, yeah, let's just I know. <laughs> let's, just <laughs> let's keep going. Pour a glass of wine and sit here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very nice to have you.
1: Thanks so thank much. You.